0: Welcome to Pot is Killing Me Presents Butt Like Like a a Hole. hole. An ongoing series we'll be doing uh, covering the industrial butt rock crossover of the early 90s. Um, Jeff, do you wanna do you wanna take it? You're the expert here. You're gonna. It's, this is kind of gonna be an education for me as well as the listener. I'm kind of. A, I'm a casual fan of this stuff. I love Nine Inch Nails. They're the. You know, I think they're sort of the progenitor of this. Every band is trying to sound like head like a hole on these early records. That's kind of why we're calling it butt like a hole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, it's a fantastic name. <laughs> It's just, yeah, that's
0: that's amazing. Thanks, Jeff, for that one. But, <laughs> but yeah, if you if you want to take it away, you're kind of you're gonna kind of gonna be our 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 fountain of knowledge on this one. Yeah,
1: thanks, man. Um, so the whole point of this series is we were talking at length about how there was this tiny trend in the mid the the early through mid nineties, um, right before new metal, where it seemed like. There was going to be like Nine Inch Nails was might be the next thing. And I think we've referenced this a few times that there was like an attempt. There was all these gold rush attempts post grunge, like an attempt to try to get ahead of the curve and, and never let themselves be caught off guard again. And so that's kind of what happened. And like the main key bands, you'll probably hear us talk at most about when we get through this is going to be like Stabbing Westward, uh, Filter, uh, Gravity Kills. Uh, there'll be a few others we'll be covering along the way. But, like, I'd say those are, like, the three main guys because they're the three ones who probably made the most, uh, had the biggest, like, level of minor hits and got used in a lot of soundtracks for a lot of movies for the same scene (laughs) in every movie. (laughs) We already touched on Gravity Kills uh, for Mortal Kombat, which also featured, oddly enough, stabbing westward. So, as you can see, there's a theme here. Um yeah, we, we
0: we didn't get to touch on stabbing westward since they were omitted from the soundtrack album. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Who knows what could have been had they actually got to stay on there. Oh wow. We we, we, we may we, we may have been doing a show about them instead. We'd be living
0: <laughs> in a different world. Let me yeah, tell you yeah. that. <laughs>
1: it just shows the twin towers are still there.
0: it just shows the twin towers falling
1: in reverse (laughs) yeah (laughs) like the the world's the world's shittiest butterfly effect (laughs) it's into the posters ashton kutcher's face it's the singer's face
0: (laughs) post all his surgeries or what oh no no they're they're all
1: reversed too
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that works out great for him
1: yeah exactly (laughs) And the viewer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the main thing we were going to probably do with this is go through that kind of a funny, odd little uh, trend that kind of happened that kind of existed concurrently with all the other stuff we'll be covering anyway. Um, but I guess before we would do that, we kind of would want to look back a little bit and understand, like, where did this stuff all come from and, and how did it all show up all at once in the mid 90s? So we were going to go back a little bit to kind of go a little bit into the history, kind of a quick, real fast primer on industrial music uh, with a lot of recommends for anyone who's into that kind of music. Or if, let's say, you're kind of a beginner fan of like even Nine Inch Nails and stuff and you want to know where else to go beyond just maybe ministry. It's like there'll be some things beyond them to recommend along the way, Um, because it's a genre that changes a lot primarily due to technology. Like, oh, new drum machines are out. Guess what's going to sound different? All this music. You know?
0: So, yeah, I'd say that the early stuff is music for sickos and freaks.
1: Yeah. And actually, you know what? That might be the best headline to start this one out with, because that's exactly where we're going to start is we'll all have to start. Um, really, industrial music really begins in, in the UK, doesn't it? Like At least the main bands you could think of will be like. like doesn't it, mate? Yeah, <laughs> doesn't it, mate? You know, the home of all sickos and freaks, the United Kingdom. <laughs> it all began when Jimmy Savile got his first drum machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can fiddle the kids with this, then, isn't it? You know, it's just like I don't even know how he talks, but yeah, it, it, it certainly ain't like that. Um, and that that would probably be the first, the major band. I probably the unfortunate Godfathers, and I do say unfortunate for a variety of reasons, would probably be throbbing gristle. Um, (laughs) super creative, very interesting, extremely like this is like the confrontational school of industrial music where it it feels more like performance art than anything else. Um, not fun to listen to. It feels like it's, it would soundtrack like a very avant-garde horror movie. Most of their stuff sounds like that. It's a lot of, like, in- low... It's true industrial, I guess is what you call it, because it literally sounds like like factories and decaying towns, and it sounds like ambient noise. Um, and they had a really terrifyingly strange leader, Genesis uh, P. Orge, um, who probably is part of the more, like, strange occultic type uh, per- personality that if anyone ever went to a bunch of noise shows... Sometimes you run into those types there. You'll see people who have, like, uh, things that you think are satanic, but then they're so satanic, they kind of look Hindu. <laughs> like, the weird symbols. <laughs> like, oh, there's the Baphomet head. I've seen that. And then you're like, wait, who, was that Shiva? You know, like, <laughs> you start seeing, like, stuff, and that's when you know these people are the real deal. Get away from them. <laughs> uh, lots of Nazi imagery gets used in that sort of thing, but, um, yeah, that music is pretty out there. Um, the... Other one that like I I don't know should we reference this or not would be suicide.
0: I mean, I would I would consider it along the same lines as something like early throbbing gristle. Like I, it's, I, I it's not do that too. far removed, but yeah, <clears throat> I didn't think of that. I didn't think of them. Yeah, you know, I, I, when I, we were talking about doing this,
1: I guess they kind of matter in the sense that they're like maybe the first American group that's kind of like this. So it's like okay. You know, it's kind of like the difference between, like, like the Ramones or the Sex Pistols, I guess, you know? A
2: hero. <laughs> yeah, be, 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 he's a little so cute. Sneaking round, round, round in a blue jumpsuit.
1: It's like there's the American breed and their version has like more of like a, a rockabilly feel. The songs kind of have more pop music feel to them. But like it's and theirs sounds weirdly even cheaper. It sounds like you can almost hear like the hiss a whole time. There's always like a sh- like noise that's yes. constantly on that album. <laughs> but um yeah. Alan Vega has like an amazingly cool voice and like a really powerful uh, charismatic presence. That, like, makes him kind of... It's yeah. like he's trying to be Gene Vincent or something singing on there. and Just,
0: like, the repetition of those albums is, like, it's it's kind of hypnotic. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's,
1: it's got a Lynchian vibe to it. So it's, like, the atmosphere of Eraserhead, but then it crosses over to something you'd think you'd hear from, like, Wild at Heart. You know, like, mm-hmm. it just crosses over. Like, it's weird periods of romance for, like, a song like Cherie or, like, Dream Baby Dream.
0: I'm, I'm picturing, you know, the the song that James sings in twin peaks, <laughs> but with a drum machine behind it. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, like, like they could easily be in that universe. So yeah, like the, oh, they exist that way. They have that, that same thing that like maybe the earliest record of the, like the first doors album does where it kind of hints at a weird darkness that kind of exists. There's like a sinister edge to like the music underneath it, which makes it kind of cool and fun. Um, all of those, both of the, like, at least Suicide sounds the most human of the bands. Like, there's the most human, like, feeling behind them, because Throbbing Gristle sounds just extremely detached, but confrontational, and then comes the third variety, which is probably the variety I'm most comfortable with, which would be Cabaret Voltaire, which to me yeah. is, like, three fucking nerds, uh, sitting in a room with, like, a pile of, like, electronics and, like, guitar pedals and just... Like, what if we do this? What if we run this through this many things? What would it sound like? And that's kind of what they sound like. And I would say the most representative song for each of them, I'd say for Throbbing Gristle might be, I would use part of What a Day because it's not their most famous song, but it's definitely like the easiest way to go, oh, okay, I see what this is. For Suicide, what do you think? What do you think their song should be? Would it just be Ghost Rider? yeah. that's a good one because like you really don't go wrong on that and it's a song that like is so cool that it sounds kick ass whenever it's covered except for except for Rollins band (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) it's the one time I was like I don't like this (laughs) (laughs) Um, and for Cabaret Voltaire for the early early stuff I would use a nag 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 that song that no that song's really cool and you kind of get an idea of what this is there's it, it almost has a punkish energy to it um but yeah so that's kind of what early industrial music sounds like there's other bands around the periphery in different places there's spk there's like super bizarre like musique concrete groups like nurse with wound uh there's bands whose names i can't fucking pronounce from germany uh who the hell what is that first name in that new bottom band <laughs>
0: Oh Ein Einstersend Nibaten or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck to say that. They're
1: yeah. they're they're kinda cool. Yeah, they are. They, 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 and they're like almost in a performance art level of Strange, right?
0: Right. Yeah. I remember back when Netflix streaming first started and there's like good shit on there. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was uh there's a live uh a live concert video from them on the Netflix streaming thing that I watched. I'd never really listened to them. I just knew, you know, I'd seen the name since I was familiar with some of those early industrial bands, but it was like a, a more recent one from like the, the two thousands, but it was fucking really cool. There, you know, I, I seem to remember there just being a lot of people on stage and a lot of very, strange per like things used for percussion, you know, like true industrial sounds like, yeah, it's a like found sound cl- stuff. Like just like hitting, like, you know, yeah, just like hitting pieces of metal with weird mallets and stuff.
1: Um, oh, but, oh, that shit's fucking cool. I mean, I'm, apparently they used to use like fucking power tools on stage and shit like that. <laughs> it's funny that heavy metal was called that and not fucking early industrial. <laughs> since one of them actually uses heavy metal, you know? <laughs> now, Heavy metal, like, if you're not dressed like a leather daddy, you're not in a metal band, apparently. <laughs> 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 All right, so I was going to say, where was I about that? Oh, yeah, so basically we're into, like, the early 80s at this point. Um, the Robin will completely breaks up. They split off into little odd little uh, various little things. Uh, the, this is where the industrial era for me gets kind of good, though, is I like where it kind of shows up around, like, the like early 80s, like, when you get to, like, 82, 83. That's, to me, where it starts to get kind of good, because I do kind of prefer things with a little bit of a pop music aesthetic, and I, I do like new wave and dance music, and it starts to cross-pollinate. I mean, even groups like Depeche Mode kind of had an industrial bent around, like, 83, 84. <coughs> <coughs> like, a song like Pipeline... It's all like sampled, it's, it's the same thing. They themselves said they were influenced by Newbotten with that, that they saw what they were doing, and so they went and wanted to do it themselves. <laughs> mode also, weirdly enough, had, had a rule that all s- sequences or synthesizers and drum machines never used presets. They could never use something that came with it. Every sound used when they had Alan Wilder in the band was something he had to make himself for every single. Oh, yeah. Si- yeah. So every synth line, <laughs> everything was something he, no, no, I want to make my own tone. So it's not like copyable by others. That's cool. And so that's where you get them like sampling themselves, like, like starting Dave Gahan's car and letting the motor run. And that's like the percussion for, um, stripped, you know, it just has that motor going, dunk, 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 you know, it's like some cool shit. But, um, to me, it gets really fun when it gets really, really beat heavy. And basically when Adrian Sherwood kind of shows up in the picture, um, there's going to be, this is going to be a series where I think <coughs> the, the person most important next to Trent Reznor is going to be like, three or four major producers within this scene because all the butt bands who get big they all hire those producers kind of as a way of being like look I got John Fryer on my team like and famously Gravity Kill's first album (laughs) succeeds entirely because of John Fryer I think because you hear the second (laughs) album without him and holy shit is it bad (laughs) (coughs) sorry (coughs) still
0: getting over that cold yeah, man, it's rough. And, my- <laughs> and this is like this is one that you're just taking the lead on to. Yeah, it's okay. You gotta talk uh, a lot. Come on, shut the fuck up. Stop coughing.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I'm smoking the whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. So, smoking, uh, <laughs> smoking pole,
1: smoking in the boys' room. <laughs> but um, the the you know what's funny that you can cover an in industrial butt rock. Oh my God, do you know what can be covered? Like in passing, generation swine. Oh. Because in more than one way, they try to adapt nine inch nails into their aesthetic. Oh god. Yeah. And and including a music video that looks horrible. It looks like the worst wannabe Marilyn Manson video I'd ever fucking seen. (laughs) It has all the hallmarks. It look it literally looks like they just reshot the tourniquet video oh god so like that will that we'll come back to that guy with
0: with w- was that with John karabi no it
1: was after or him John does, Kar- was, wait so who's was it Vince again? yep it was when they it's when they forced oh, karabi yeah. out and they brought Vince back
0: oh God I've it, gotta hear I've gotta see Vince in a nine inch Nails Marilyn Manson <laughs> ripoff.
1: Yeah, and, like, the music just sounds really shitty, and what it is is it's one step, it's, like, one tentative footstep in, and then a quick retreat out, and because they also, because they have Vince, and he's so limited as what he can do, it just, like, none of it worked, well, it didn't work anyway, but it really doesn't work because of him. But Generation Swine you know it's like it just doesn't fit for him at all it's
0: like it's like yeah dude I'm looking at you I see <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> Generation Swine was just his, him announcing his new overweight era <laughs>
0: <laughs> he just like he looks like a like he's the way that he's gained weight, he's become more... His face is... And also the surgeries he got for yeah. that VH1 show. <laughs> oh, my
1: Jesus Christ.
0: His face looks so, like, pig-like now. He looks like one of the pig cops from Duke Nukem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he kind of sounds like one if you shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to. <laughs> Fire it up. You know, it's like, have like a Duke Nukem quote, then you just have a... Wah! Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he he gained he gained weight like he has a disease.
0: Yeah, he's very much like a bloated tick.
1: Yeah, yeah, like he's gained <laughs> weight where it's just like I'm just, just looking ahead and my liver hurts. <laughs> like oh yeah, my god, had my
0: had my rib, my rib cage is just be, being <laughs> slowly expanded by my internal organ swelling. <laughs> like, Oh my god! It's not. It's like not on the outside of his bones. It's like on the inside.
1: Yeah, they're inside his rib cage. Is all huge. It's strange. Your pectoral muscles are so small because your rib cage is massive. Look at that. They're gonna describe his skeleton when he dies the same way they describe the the, the giant, like, the people from the shadow over Innsmith's heads. <laughs> Where they find, like, the skull with the crown that's all shaped clearly for, like, fish people. <laughs> you know, what he's kind of like, the way the head was so elongated and it, 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 the, the, the surface was much more rounded than normal. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> Jesus, man. I'm sorry. It was not bothering me, but I haven't really had a talk like this in a while. So
0: no, yeah, no. Just uh, you. You better stop it. It's okay though. But but stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had a uh, to... do, do you think we can continue? Or do you? Yeah. Wanna... No. No. I, I could do it. It's fine. Okay.
1: Um. If it gets any worse, I might just maybe hit an inhaler up, which is out there. But I don't think it's gonna be a big problem. It's just, it dries out so bad and it starts making me cough. Yeah. But, uh, so like, what, what was I saying about that? Oh yeah. So we get into the fun era of industrial to me, which is where like Adrian Sherwood kind of starts showing up and you start getting the bands that to me are kind of like the, the more fun ones, which is like your, your ministries, your skinny puppies, uh, front Two Forty Two. Um, God, I'm trying to think, is there any other major guy right there at the moment that I want to, I want to mention, but. Those are kind of the guys I want to think about and focus on, uh, particularly Ministry, because they kind of move things into the next direction Um with Twitch, which is produced by Adrian Sherwood. That name's going to come up a lot um, and put in a song like like even just the opening track, like Just Like You. Hear the sound to it it's like kind of like it's like it's got all the hallmarks of like what you would call like like early like electronic dance music it feels like the music in robocop when they show like a futuristic club and everyone's dancing <laughs> like like an old version of the future like it feels like it's kind of like what they thought people would be dancing to in cyberpunk books right <laughs> like, like like yeah all these clangs and stuff and everyone's just getting down to like really odd like super heavy bass drum and like just a lot of like like kind of like odd noises coming off in the background (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so um and adrian sherwood produces maybe my favorite of all the 80s industrial albums which is fucking code by cabaret voltaire yeah, I love that album. That album, like, and, and it's it's hard to even pinpoint which song it's going to be my favorite on there, but what's funniest to me is it feels <clears throat> like Cabaret Voltaire almost wanted to do what this, the band, the R&B group, the system was doing. It felt like they were taking a slight tentative toe toward that direction.
0: A lot of that R&B stuff has, like, such hard-hitting drum machines from back in that era. Oh. Like, like, that, Jan- like, Control, Janet Jackson, has, like, such a... Like the drum machines on that are just so fucking sick. Oh, like, dude, I don't
1: know. you, you could put that on like a, you could easily have put that on a ministry record at the time yeah. from that time period or like a, well, skinny puppy. You never could. Cause they were just, they were, they're kind of their own thing that kind of exists outside of all the other trends. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're much more collage heavy and stuff, but like, no, you could put them on a front 242 record or, or even a revolting Cox album. They would make total sense on any of that but basically industrial moves out of the UK and by the mid eighties is just kind of exists alongside like Chicago house music and like techno out of Detroit, all of that stuff, that whole stew, there's just like American, like Midwest thing happening. Um, but for some reason it's super dance heavy. Uh, and there's all these fun things we're going to definitely put in there. Like I'll give the whole list, um, of what we can add in there. And, Then we get the final weird crossover, which is probably going to be what happens where like the very first tentative step towards where this is going to be going, which is, of course, we have to now start the frenzied hi hat of stigmata. (laughs) Once Stigmata hits, that's that's the beginning of, like, okay, that era of industrial's over. We've entered a new era. Um, most people think of Land of Rape and Honey as, like, rightfully so as, like, the big breakthrough for that sort of thing. Um, so, like, more guitar-heavy stuff yeah, is coming. Yeah, but they weren't the only ones because we also had Godflesh. Yeah. But they were doing it in a slightly different way because it's not super sample heavy or anything, but it is, it's mm-hmm. got like the drum machine thing. And I guess if you want to say drum machines and heavy guitars or just really metallic guitars, I would use also kind of, you could throw a big black into there as well. Of kind of yeah. like just 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 showing that that is a thing that's happening. Um I
0: never think of big black as like no, industrial. me but, neither. Because um, to me,
1: they're a hardcore punk band with a drum machine. Yeah. Because they don't use like, like weird, like dehumanizing, like repetition, the same way that like even ministry still was doing, like yeah, and, like,
0: and it's like, it's very like workman like drum machine, like it's yeah. it's not like it's just like pretty much bass and snare, and there might be some, you know, there might be like some hi hat in there or something, but it's pretty much just like do 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 like there's no like interesting like little like percussive flourishes like you oh get no
1: with, yeah like, cabaret voltaire. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to get Sorry. anything. You're not getting a, you're not getting a here to go from Big Black. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be the funniest thing to hear, Steve Albini yelling, <laughs> "Line up, get serious," you know. <laughs> 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 Although like I said, the way he covered James Brown's The Big Payback, it's like maybe he could try to make it different, but
0: <laughs> Sorry, just to go back, were Cabaret Voltaire from the UK?
1: Yeah. They, yeah, they were too. Okay. They, were from, right. they were from from Sheffield. There is a fantastic documentary, though. Uh, I highly recommend it's free. It's on YouTube. It's called Synth Rule Britannia, and it literally opens uh, just kind of the openings of like like the earliest electronic music. It has to cover craft work and everything. And then that's the primer to understanding the 70s and 80s bands. And it just kind of ends within like the 80s. And it's just kind of like the, the peak era of like synth pop. Um, but basically where all that had started. And so they interview all those guys. And what's funny about them is when they did that shit, they would get booed or uh, riots would start. People be throwing shit, like places that erupt in huge brawls. Cabrera, <coughs> Voltaire? All of them. Throbbing Gristle, too. Oh, Throbbing Gristle oh, was different. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense.
0: Throbbing Gristle.
1: <laughs> yeah, Throbbing Gristle would literally try to, like, make people, like, they would try to do, like, brown notes on people and shit. which like now I think to myself, that's less like, fuck you audience. And I think that's probably some sick, weird, like fetish that Genesis probably had.
0: Yeah, no, no, it was part of, it was part of some sort of a, like, Crowley and ritual, they yeah. were performing.
1: Oh my god, I forgot to They're mention to one make of
0: the everyone, sh- everyone shit, and they would summon on yeah. the, the destroyer. The <laughs> fuck.
1: I'm sorry, but that ideology makes it sound like fucking Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna get Charizard, you know? It's like I'm the fuck. Charizard.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh fuck! Holy shit! I think I think I agree with the. Uh, Evangelicals, Pokemon is Satanic. Yeah. Charizard, you at the- on that's a little too close <laughs> for comfort for me.
1: You're looking at Pokemon cards and you look carefully and you're like, if you know if you hold the card up to the light, it becomes a black sun.
2: Pokemon World is a world of the demonic, of the Satanic.
1: <laughs> Speaking of which, I almost forgot one of probably the finest of all the bands oh, from that yeah, period yeah. is fucking yep. Coil. Yep. Great pop culture history moment of industrial music, of course. Uh, It turns out this was a huge rumor, but you can hear it for yourself if you want to hear how industrial music of the coil-like variety was perceived by the general public. Watch the opening, and it exists just as the opening, so you don't have to watch the actual fight. This file exists by itself. It is Mike Tyson fighting for the championship belt to unify the three titles, Michael Spinks, he decided to make his entrance into the ring to music that people thought a lot of people mistakenly believed it was coil. They thought it was the song how to destroy angels, but it's not, but it sounds So apparently he, they had someone make this for him <laughs> and oh, it yeah, sounds right. fucking amazing. And he comes out to the <laughs> ring, but he takes forever to come out there. And you literally hear the announcers freaking out over this. They're like, Oh, so some kind of, uh, loud droning <laughs> sound. Uh, add, yeah. so what I'm hearing is... Like me- chains, chains clanging in the in the distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <they're> fr- <laughs> probably what Mike's going to do to him. You know, like, you got to hear... <laughs> like, it was, was an amazing s- clip. It was such good theater. And yeah. it was just the idea of, like, yeah, you knew, like, loud riffs or I'm going to knock you out kind of shit is one thing. That's something you're familiar with. This other thing just sounded unfathomable to like someone else in the ring and the other guy looks like he was like ready to throw in the towel before it began. <laughs> the
0: fight... Yeah, it was like it's it's like the what what is playing in the Hellraiser dimension. It's yes. Like the Cenobite soundtrack.
1: It's a completely what it was. I you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it was like some unused coil for Hellraiser.
0: Coil is like one of the like the ones that really can unnerve me with some of their their stuff like some of some sometimes they will like I'm not like a you know super familiar with their whole catalog but you know there's a couple records that I listened to you know back in my early 20s when I was delving into this stuff and it was like if anyone out there is familiar with the Silent Hill video games (laughs) there's no doubt in my mind that the composer in those games Listen to Coil. I'm, st- like, I'm thinking of one song like, in particular. So incredibly just like discordant and unnerving and it just, the way it builds and
1: yeah. repeats. Fucking amazing.
0: Um, I can't remember. It was like, I think it's called like, ah, fuck. I can't remember the name of the specific. There's a specific Coil song. At the heart song. of it all? Is it is called? It is?
1: It's a third track on the album, Scatology, at the heart of it all. It's really slow, okay. piano based, but it does. It, it just feels deeply. The tenderness of wolves is fucking scary sounding too. But it's very weird. Um, they do a they do a really creepy cover of a uh, tainted love, which um was apparently I think about AIDS at the time. Okay, and I was like, oh my god! So it makes it sound like a fucking funeral death march and everything. And it's right. like, God, man, what a like a because you forget what a dark time that shit was back then. You know,
0: yeah, and they—they they were both—they are both gay, right? They were both gay yeah. men. Wait, what? No, I was kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, I see you like throwing a bunch of CDs out your window. <laughs>
1: yeah, I still have—I'm holding them so you can clearly um, see them,
0: and I'm just tossing them out. <laughs> Like the guy, the guy's like throwing away all their Bud Light and stuff. You know what I love
1: (laughs) is these assholes. I can see his six figure fucking lifted truck and his like one one of his eight mini fridges filled with fucking beer he's throwing away in his airport hangar sized garage and it's I like, saw the same video you're talking yeah, about. I fucking,
0: like, oh my God.
1: What a fucking pussy. Like, oh, no, seriously, you've won. Seriously. If I had what you had, dude, I right. would never think about this shit ever again.
0: Stop, right, yeah, seriously, stop fucking bitching, you giant pussy. You have a fucking aircraft carrier for your fucking, or an aircraft hangar for your fucking lifted truck.
1: I love the idea you that like someone that someone was like, "Yeah, I'm cool with gay people." And then he's going to be like, "You know what? I have to let that ruin my day." You know? Right? One of my eight in-ground pools I'm sure I have. I'm just going to be sitting in there like I don't even turn the heater on. I'm going to get in there so mad it's going to heat the pool up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to get in the pool and it's going to start bubbling cuz I'm going to be so pissed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Anyway, Coil. That's another... We were talking about Coil. They were a Throbbing Gristle... Spin-off. Offshoot, right? Yeah, yeah. kind of. In a, in a S- really weird sleaze, way. Sleazy Pete? Sleazy Pete was... Yeah. To, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> this is a weird thing. If we're going to do, like, an industrial primer one of these days... This is kind of half one anyway. Um, when One of the things that's interesting about early... Or like, the first generation and a half of industrial is the level of very unsavory characters who kind of show up in this. There's a lot of people who Yeah, they they, they seem strange and and there's like a faction of them who seem very much like they were like in a weird cult.
0: Uh or I mean in the case of Genesis Peorage, trying to start a weird cult. Yeah.
1: Like <laughs> like, like like Navixium should have been the name of an album of theirs. <laughs>
0: you mean Nex? It's just Nexium.
1: Nexium, oh, is that what it's called? Nexium. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I it's did, just I did, Nexium. Oh, okay, it all just looks like some.
0: I'll, I'll, edit, I'll edit. it out so you don't sound stupid. Just-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, yeah, because all the all the listeners, man, they're massive fans.
0: <laughs> right. <and> the- <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: they're big. They're big Rainier heads.
0: <laughs> um. But yeah, a lot of that early industrial stuff, you get a lot of like just very like. Esoteric occult stuff in there, like the "See the Black Sunrise," you can, the Solar Lodge or whatever. I like,
1: have said over and over again to myself that that song, especially the way it begins, you could make an A a fake A twenty four horror movie trailer with that song. Especially oh, just the yeah, beginning, I where it's see. just... where Once again, this is a great example. It opens with, like, a metal piece hitting, like, a going, like, dunk-dunk, dunk-dunk, and then, like, the other piece yeah. starts hitting, dunk-dunk-dunk-dunk-dunk-dunk, right? And it's... God, I'm doing way too much fucking percussive sounds, but, um...
0: <laughs> this is a preview for our Nine Inch Nails series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, series.
1: we're just gonna do that the whole time.
0: <laughs> Which, I mean, that's a little... A little heads up to vault to our listeners. If anyone's a nine inch nails fan, that's who we'll be taught tackling when we reach the end of the typo negative albums. We'll be doing that. A- they make
1: a new record, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, they won't. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: shit. We haven't figured that out yet. We, have, yeah. we haven't, we, ha- we haven't gotten to the end of the typo negative someone, story. Someone tells so far, me he so. Di-
1: so. They tell me he died and I get all mad, like spoiler alert. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> so yeah horror elements do creep in a lot with uh you know um with industrial music in a way that like kind of makes it a bit of a cousin to like goth in a way although goth feels more theatrical like in a in a sle- at least early um industrial feels much more horrifying in a much stranger kind of way um it's more on you know what it feels more effective as horror movie music <clears throat> goth is music f- about horror movies <laughs>
0: Right. Oh, you know, you know, another band I was going to say is, uh, obviously this is, this would be more like no wave, but early swans almost has an industrial feel.
1: Everything up to like 87 is a hundred percent, especially those two, uh, greed and holy money and the single, a screw. If you wanted to understand just in general, like that would probably be almost the best primer. You could just give someone like, give me one song to explain what this sounds like from this era Just use that. That massive ass drum, uh, it's com- it's got the same thing like total repetition. The guitars don't sound like nice guitars with riffs into them. It just sounds like a sheet of fucking angry metal like being shredded at you. Like you almost, you almost expect your like sparks. It's like if yeah. if Freddy Krueger's glove sliding on a rail could be a guitar, that's what it would sound like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And also Time is Money, Bastard. That song that oh holy I I hate to do the percussion again, but the just God, the (laughs) percussion on that, just the (laughs) it's just and just michael jeer is like, oh, 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 in the background yeah. just building up it's like holy shit i mean the lyrics to that are pretty
1: rough yeah you should be violated
0: considering you know the the allegations but uh, oh
1: my god man i don't, that's the biggest can, uh, bummer of my life to hear that
0: I'm a I'm a Michael Jira defender. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she knew what she was doing. I don't know what this accusation is to even speak out. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know you know who the believe you know,
0: women believe yeah. women except except Michael Jira's accuser. <laughs> yeah, do you know I'm, who the? Kidding, accuser? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just okay. I don't need to have my, my, the music I listen to, I, you know, I judge it on a scale, the, the personalities, if they're very, very abhorrent, yeah, it sours the music for me, but the, the Michael Jira thing, there's enough gray area to it, to where I can be like, you know, it's, it's a little troublesome, and i'm going to have my eye on him believe yeah, you me yeah. if he if if i hear one more thing about him i'm might might stop listening to the music maybe
1: but okay so it's not like arcade fire
0: <laughs> no fuck that guy i i'm going to kill him yeah. you heard that right if if it, everyone tell everyone spread the word i'm going to kill the guy from arcade fire for not caring that that woman had a boyfriend
1: <laughs> I thought it was that, that like they went out together and then she was gonna have him show up at a party and he's like yeah I can't make it
0: <laughs> that was that was one of them too but oh, okay. there was there's there's a second article about another oh. accuser that he that he dated and it was you know she she had a boyfriend and he didn't he didn't care that she had a boyfriend he still wanted to fuck her so' <laughs> was, um he, he yeah man it's just so. I'm gonna have to cut all that shit yeah but but it's um, funny
1: I was gonna make one joke about Michael Gira though
0: I according to our Spotify statistics most of our audience is male anyway oh
1: yeah that's right
0: um to our but, one female you know, uh, listener, turn this off. Well, <laughs> and what's up to our non-binary listeners? Yeah, Hello. hey, yeah, yeah, welcome Th- aboard. Thanks for listening. <laughs> but anyway, cont- what were you it, gonna? If, if, if what the, were you it, gonna say about Michael Jira?
1: Also, if the pronouns are plural, can that count for two listens for one? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. If if <laughs> you boost are us if up. you right yes if you're if you if you are a <laughs> he if you are a he she they please um. That's what we gotta be out doing, the deal man. With that is, no, it's right. like
1: it's like double albums. The sales count for two. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's you know, probably like, like, offensive. But... You know what? <laughs> Whatever, man. My point is, it's like that's a demographic we gotta be going after. Which means <laughs> let's go back and re-record everything we said about Genesis PR removing all the references to. <laughs> <laughs> No, Genesis yeah, is order to, on some other in thing. Order
0: to, I was going to say, it, yeah, in order to support our non-binary <laughs> listeners, we will cease criticizing Genesis Peorage for any of the that Nazi shit or any of the cult stuff, whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Look, Genesis literally had a disability where they couldn't not support Nazis. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... We were on something with that. Oh, yeah. Also, I was going to make a joke that uh, Michael Gira's accuser, Amber Heard. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, where the fuck was I in any of that? We were talking about Coil and how fucking kick ass they were. One other guy in that in that realm, because he, he was part of Coil and he collaborates with a lot of other artists here. Is um JG Thurwell, uh known best known oh. as a uh, Fetus. Fetus. Venture Brothers. Yes, yeah. Guy becomes a composer later. Um I would say that is one of my more he's a favorite artist of mine from that era to listen to, mostly because he has like an energy that feels completely insane, like as a performer. <laughs> and I just kind of find that kind of interesting. He's he comes across like uh he comes across like he's somehow very vile. But like but but it's obviously he's playing a character. Like like his mouth seems like it's got too much saliva in it or something, like he's spitting up blood. <laughs> you know, he's kinda of talking like, like this. You know, he kind of has that kind of thing he's doing and just like really weird lines like, I'm gonna give me some of that hot horse. You know, and I'm like, what is he talking about? I don't know, but I know it's gross. Like <laughs> You know, you had an entire song just like saying, I like the way you feel out your clothes, I want to stick my head under your hose. And it's just on loop and him shouting that repeatedly, like maniacally, you know? <laughs> and
0: He did some cool nine inch stuff with, with nine inch nails. Yes. Like remixing them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he even in the nineties and stuff, he still had stuff that was pretty cool. Um he had probably one of the more uh interesting uh songs, I think at least, um, from a narrative standpoint, which was Okay, so, like, the song itself is called this, and for a reason, but it says he had a song called uh, English <laughs> F***, which was based off of voicemails. And, and, and ma-
0: <laughs> Sorry, that word just makes me
1: laugh. <laughs> which was English, I mean. It was based off of his version of an Eddie Murphy routine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was his ten minute stand-up bit uh, trying to trying to re recontextualize Eddie Murphy to a UK audience.
0: <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was the, the Mr. T the Mr. T bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If Mr. T was 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 English also <laughs> as well as gay. <laughs> you know what
1: I realized is there was a few parts randomly in Delirious where Eddie Murphy to me I feel like kind of uh, prefaces come town where he's just like talking and he'll reference the honeymooners. And he goes, wait, wait, a what if the honeymooners were gay? And then he starts doing an impression of them being gay. And I was kind of like, isn't that basically what the entirety of come was?
0: <laughs> yeah. What if the honeymooners were gay or
1: Indian? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it was come down, <laughs> it would just be like, what if they were also Chinese? You know? What if they had down syndrome? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was a funny show, still somehow, and we paid money for it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> good, money. that show made way so much money, man! I can't believe it.
0: God damn, it's
1: fucking absurd. <laughs> but um, yeah. So he he had this really cool song like that. Uh, it you it was entirely uh based off of I guess answering machine messages and threatening th- like death threats he was getting. <laughs> And so <laughs> he reads that basically he cha- he can as lyrics and um it's just very specific hyper specific threats which is funny cuz he's Australian but they clearly don't know that and they keep calling him an English <laughs> <laughs>
2: Nailed
0: to the wall gonna say he i didn't i don't think i knew that but i was gonna ask if he was australian because yeah. there is kind of like some of that stuff has like a birthday party vibe almost yes and yeah he, he like collaborates the, with him like the like it's like it has more of like a chaotic unhinged kind of feel as opposed to throbbing gristle
1: Yeah, what, what, like, the birthday party's junkyard is to, like, the Cramps, because you're kind of like, oh, they're in the same vein. They're, like, spooky, rockabilly-ish stuff. Like, no, they're much further than that. But you're right. (laughs) They they tread on that territory, you know, (laughs) but, like, where it's, like, old, like, bluesy riffs and stuff from the 50s, but they just take it to this extreme. And it's like, that's kind of what Fetus does in the same area. He takes this and stretches it to... uh, And the fact that he became a composer kind of shows with a lot of his stuff but his early work sometimes feels like it should be adjacent to like almost the looney tunes <laughs> <laughs> right. but like it's really fucking out there um it's we-
0: kind of it's pretty incredible to go from that stuff i mean i feel like to from from that stuff to the venture brothers but i feel they're like composing all the music for that but i feel like there is a through line i'm not super familiar mm-hmm. with a lot of fetus you know i know what I've heard you played for me back in the day or what our mutual friend Richard played um, because he was also a fan. Um I re- just remember like stuff like saxophones and stuff like that in Fetus, right? Yeah,
1: he kind of took like almost a no wave approach. There was a lot of like so sort of, like, oh, you know what would really like get on your nerves? A really discordant horn, you know, <laughs> so it's a right. lot of like blasts mm. of annoying horns or something and. His voice is much higher in register, usually. He only starts singing low when he's, like, playing a character. Uh, I will say he was funny as hell in interviews because he would always just say gross shit to whoever it was. Um, Speaking of, like, being, like, gross and sexually harassing. (laughs) He told, like, a female interviewer that, like, they asked him a question and all he said was, "'A woman's place is on my face.'" (laughs) And that's all he said. They just kind of stares off like nothing after that, (laughs) like like, like as if he's not really there. I was like, okay, I see, I see what you're like. And then him, Nick Cave, Mark Almond of Soft Cell, and like Lydia Lunch all used to collaborate as a single group and stuff. So, like, yeah. So like that 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 school of it all exists. But it's funny because half of these people are going to show up in the '90s during the, the post Nirvana frenzy. But in the meantime, the most closest thing you're going to get to like uh, industrial going mainstream itself would be in the form of it's going to be Ministries, the first guy who probably goes gold, I think, doing industrial music. And that's, I don't think Land of Rape and Honey does it. I think it's the one after, which is Mine is a Terrible Thing to Taste. Which, Are we um, gold I think it may have or it may have gotten close. I know it's, wow. I know it's, they, they sold well. It, and I think it's Psalm 69 is the one that sells, um, I think that one goes platinum. If because if it did,
0: I had no idea. Like I, I mean, I knew that Psalm sixty nine had, you know, what's like Jesus build my hot rod or whatever. And there's like they kind of got some pop on MTV with that. But what was the single from Mind is a terrible thing to taste? You know
1: what's funny? It's not the one I thought it would be. I thought the single would have been Thieves, because that song fucking rules. Um, Yeah. God, its its peak position was one hundred and sixty three on the Billboard charts. Hey, it charted. Yeah, it still did. It charted. <laughs> Hell yeah! But my God, uh, it see it was certified gold uh, by nineteen ninety five. Yeah, so it sold over five hundred thousand wow. units. So yeah, it, it took a while to get there, but it did. Um, the single was burning inside. So weird. Yeah, which is a song I'm like, what like the best version of that, there's a there's a, a special extend the live version of that is so much better because it, it opens with the thing. It samples the movie The Thing and the music from it, and it does this extra long intro. And and for live, they had like the double drummers on that tour. And then the other single was um one of my favorite songs from them ever is uh, So What. But um
0: kick ass song. Yeah,
1: that song fucking rules. But yeah, at that point. On their mainstream songs, you can kind of hear that like, they kind of move more towards sounding like a hard rock band. And yeah. around this time, Jorgensen even takes over one Skinny Puppy record, which apparently divided that band completely. Like they never got over the fact that he sh- that uh, Ogre invited him. They felt like Ogre. Oh, he wants to be Mister Rockstar now. He doesn't want to be like weirdo poetry reading guy in our band anymore. <laughs> And so they hate. <laughs> he
0: the- went Hollywood by having Al
1: Jorgensen on the record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, Hollywood ogre over here. <laughs> A guy who calls himself that, you know. Ogre. Yeah. And so they did. But that's like,
0: Al- isn't it like O8, like lowercase O-H, capital G, lowercase R? Like it's like sticky caps.
1: Yeah. It's very <laughs> weird like that. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> but yeah, <clears throat> Sorry.
1: No, but he they they he did the album Rabies, um, and I think there's like one or two of the singles from that are actually pretty decent, but they're way clearly more straightforward sounding. And it's like, okay, this thing is for some reason bubbling forward, and they're Canadian, right, Skinny Puppy? Yeah, they're from I think they're from Vancouver, and it, and something about okay. everything about them feels like they're from Vancouver. Like <laughs> like like if someone told me they were from like Quebec, I'd be like, nah, no, they're not.
0: Like they yeah, no, they 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 like uh you know they like to eat animals too much in Quebec. Yeah, yeah, because like Quebec with that's like the for French like, influence. Yeah, that
1: that that's for that's for like people who are somehow even more racist and being French. You know, like the most <laughs> racist French people are from Quebec. Like Vancouver and then like skinny
0: puppies like vegan. Yes, yes,
1: and like they'll they'll make references to shit that like makes me deeply sad about animals and stuff and about the environment. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that that tracks.
0: Yeah, they used to, I know they used to, like, project videos of, like, animals being tortured behind them, (laughs) like, during, like, the vivisect. Yeah, and I was like,
1: oh, I don't want to see that. (laughs) Like, like, they're the reason I ever even heard of that movie, The Plague Dogs, and I was just one of those, like, I think I wanted to cry after I even just read about the book. Because I was like, that's too (laughs) fun. I can't believe that happens. And so, like, I I, I just, I can't handle that stuff. So I I stay largely away (laughs) from them. (laughs) <laughs> Their production and stuff is fucking insane, though. And it's, like, really interesting. Like, Two Dark Parks. Yeah, they have Parks, some really cool shit. Like, yeah. the Two Dark Parks' production is just out there. Like, in terms of cut and paste, back when you still had to, like, take out the film and, like, do the white chalk on it and cut and <laughs> and edit all the stuff yourself. Like, that album is amazing. But the main album that matters the most in this comes out in 1989 but no one really knows about it yet. It takes about a year for this to happen. That's going to be where our boy Trent Reznor shows up, and that's pretty hate machine. starts yep and that's the guy who it takes about <sighs> maybe a year and a half or two years but through relentless touring and Trent Reznor was smart in that he didn't just want to tour with industrial bands he he toured with Jesus and Mary Chain he toured with like Peter Murphy he was like let's try to get this exposed and he kind of and what's funny about Pretty Hate Machine is I'd say half of it feels like it could have been a Depeche Mode album yeah Like, it Mm -hmm. totally feels more like it could have been that. And, like, maybe the first three songs are really the closest thing you have to strew industrial. And then it's got, like, Sanctified slows it down. But also something I can never have is, like, is that industrial music's first ballad?
0: <laughs> I mean, you do have like Sin later on the album, which I feel like a oh, lot yeah. of these butt industrial songs kind of have that feel of like Sin. A
1: hundred percent. Oh my God. But
0: yeah, like what you said, you know, about it sort of having like that Depeche mode feel. You can just go listen to the the demo, the Nine Inch Nails demo, purest feeling
1: to oh hear my a God. little more of that sound. Oh, because And we've got will some. Be- uh, we're gonna be going yeah. over that in detail, my friend.
0: We're yeah. Again, if you like Nine Inch Nails, do not do not unfollow this podcast because we fucking love Nine Inch Nails. We're gonna do a whole series on them. It's gonna be a lot longer than typo <laughs> negative and probably harder to do, but we're gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely what's tuned. coming.
1: It's what's coming around the coming around the corner, I suppose. After that, we'll like switch gears and just do like joy division or something <laughs> we're gonna do huey lewis
0: and the news are you you have any how many albums they have
1: <laughs> huey lewis and the news dude you have no idea they, they're like
0: they're like king gizzard and the lizard wizard <laughs> like we're releasing
1: like eight albums a year and they all sound
0: so different it's insane No
1: no joke dude i've gotten like four other king gizzard albums and i'm like okay, cool. I'm trying to pick up the back catalog. And then I looked and they were all released in 2022. (laughs) I'm not even done with this year (laughs) and they're good. That's what's crazy. It's, it's like, it's like someone took Todd Grundgren when he was at his most high on mescaline and at his most prolific and just cloned that version of him (laughs) like 50 times. And they're all writing different songs. (laughs) Right, because it's like every genre yeah, and dumps and, around. They're they're fantastic. Like have
0: you have you heard um what the fuck's it called? Like, god damn it! It's like they're they're like thrash album. That sounds like it sounds like Kill 'em All era Metallica.
1: Oh, something about the rats <laughs> has the word
0: rats in it. Yeah, right? like infest the rats. Nest I think I do have that one. Like that. Yeah, it's completely
1: That's different. Just,
0: it's so sick. I think there's like one song I was gonna say. It's, I I can't, it's like, I can't keep up with them. I was going to say, oh, there's a song on their new, newer album. like, nope. That sounds, that sort of sounds akin to that, but it's like, oh no, that was, that was last year. So they've probably had like seven since then.
1: <laughs> so I'll get into something else real quick with this. So Trent Rest, so Nine Inch Nails happens, Pretty Hate Machine hits, Pretty Hate Machine eventually goes triple platinum, but it's on an indie label that's like no no indie album has ever sold that much before. Like that is like what label was it on? TVT. Oh,
0: TVT, that's the, right. The that's Mortal right.
1: Kombat soundtrack.
0: Right. It's the home of I I knew them as the home of Seven Dust. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I never went there. <laughs> like, oh, I don't need to go there. They're the home of Seven Dust. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it probably smells bad. Yeah. It stinks in there. <laughs> It's like one of those houses you go to and they have like three big dogs that
1: live inside.
0: Oh. And it just. Yeah. yeah, I know what you anyway. mean. And, it's, and it seems
1: like one of the dogs is always damp.
0: <laughs> yeah, one of them has some kind of skin disorder. Like if you touch it once, you can't get the smell off your
1: hands for 72 hours. I feel like that's the kind of what like the White House dogs have been like under Biden. <laughs> when the yeah, they always like Do, are people. The, are they even
0: still around? Like I haven't heard anything about his dogs since the
1: first year. I I think once he pulled um, out of I think once he pulled out of Afghanistan and the media decided to no longer baby him. I think there was like, well, then we don't need these anymore, and God only knows what happened to them. I'm just scared because you know you know the T1000 Mayor Pete's just been eyeing them up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just been wait, waiting to like you know kill them like the T one thousand does. <laughs> but um, oh yeah, so uh, so the pretty Eight Machines machine uh, becomes uh like an underground hit, but it's one of those that sells slowly over time, and it gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger, and it's uh, and then he gets a spot. He's on the uh, Trent Reznor gets on the inaugural Lollapalooza in ninety one. Like, okay. that's like a huge deal. And, um, cause like that, that entire set list is like strange. The, that had body count on it. Jane's addiction was, that was their farewell tour. Uh, Susie and the Banshees was on there. There was like a handful of like really odd bands on that. So he gets a lot of good exposure on that. Um, the record picks up It starts selling well enough clearly this picks up the ears of other people in that realm. Like, hey, I didn't know we could make these songs actually not sound completely dehumanizing. You can kind of give them, like, identifiable human emotions other than complete detachment, you
0: know? Yeah, and just huge pop hooks,
1: too. Yeah, holy shit, a chorus, you know? You don't have to have Michael Jira just screaming, you should be raped over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Which now feels like a fucking prophecy, but... Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: I'm... Shut up! No, I'm cutting that. <laughs>
1: Bastard! You know, just like i yelling. <laughs> but, uh... God. um, so, so that all happens. Basically, he ends up having a huge fucking fight with his record label. He can't record for a few years, so he can't follow up Pretty Hate Machine. He's stuck in, like, a weird contract uh uh, dispute with them um it's going through courts so that leaves a nice little opening ministry though is able to jump in on that and they go i think platinum finally with um psalm 69 and that's jesus built my hot rod gets on mtv because the difference also is that they don't have to get played on just like late night 120 minutes they get played on regular mtv now because post nirvana everything changes So, that gets on there. So does Just One Fix. Uh, NWO doesn't do quite as much, but they're all covered by Beavis and Butthead. Like, everything's changed for them. They're huge. They are on the second Lollapalooza tour, Ministry is, um, where they immediately proceed to do so much heroin, they just ruin the rest of their career. So... (laughs)
0: i will i will stand up for filth pig i feel like filth pig is a really underrated album
1: you know what's funny there's like three or four songs from them i fucking love on that and i don't like the rest it sounds really funny to say it It, they sound castrated
0: (laughs) it's like i feel like the songs i like on there feel like it it sounds like ministry like interpreting the melvin's like sludgiest
1: songs Oh, that is—that's an interesting way to put that. Actually, I like can there, see that. there's
0: actually. Um, I've got. I'm not sure the track title, but there's a song where it's it's almost the same line as the Melvin song "Night Goat," which I think I plugged into one of these I episodes. Think, I can't remember. I'm not but, sure if it's
1: that one or not, but I do know that you did plug them in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, if I did, yeah, if I did, it's that song. So, um. Yeah, from the album Houdini, which I think was ninety-two or ninety-three or something like that. But anyway, yeah, I I feel like Filth Pig is I I feel like that one needs to be reevaluated.
1: It's not. See, they, they, <laughs> but, that was given like an immediate dismissal as a huge failure, and it was commercially and critically. But hmm. I think critically, it should be. Reassessed. Was that the
0: follow up? Was that the follow up to Psalm sixty? Yeah. Okay. And it, and it took that four made, years. That makes
1: sense. Cause,
0: cause that's like, it's a, it's a big change. Yeah. It's very like dirgey and you know, there's no like, there's the, no like faster paced stuff like on their Like, I you think, know. I
1: think one of their dirge songs is one of my favorite songs they ever did though, is, um, the fall.
0: Is that uh, uh, land of rape and honey? No, or? no.
1: The, the fall is on filth pig. It's a, uh, but it's, it's got oh, this it amazing okay. loud drum sound and it has this weird pattern where it does like a dun, 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 dun boom boom and then it does like a and it kind of just does this thing where like the drums go high and then low, and you're kind of like okay this is like a weird beat that's taking forever to complete a cycle of but it when it comes around it sounds cool and then the, when the guitar comes in it's so it literally makes you feel depressed like the guitars feel like they pull you down like and all the lyrics are like everything is useless you know nothing works at all <laughs> nothing ever matters. And it's just like this, like extremely (laughs) depressing. Like you could tell this is clearly him at his like low point with heroin. (laughs) And I was like, and, and if and you could feel, and it's like that one song that has the weird piano that starts coming in at the end, just kind of punctuating the song. And so it, it, it makes this odd counterpoint to like the extreme sludge doom guitar. Like check it out later. Like when you hear it again, you'll be like, Oh yeah, this song's fucking bizarre, but I think Yeah, the, the per- it's been the, a
0: few years since I've listened.
1: But the percussion on it, so fucking good. But uh, here, neither here nor there yet again. Um, so we basically get brought up to about 1992, which is when Trent Reznor finally, his lawsuit is settled, and we find out, of course, you know, they for legal reasons couldn't say this, but he had been recording secretly because anything he recorded would have been owned by TVT, but I think he was certi- uh, secretly recording and releases fucking broken. And Broken wins a fucking Grammy, and that's the thing that's funny is they win a Grammy for Wish, which I think Trent Reznor himself even just remembered saying, "Wow, like I could I could put that on my gravestone. I want. I had a, I said fist fucking a song, and then I won a Grammy for it." <laughs>
0: Win for like best heavy metal performance or something
1: or what? <laughs> no, they lost that to yet again to Jethro Tull.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what did they win for?
1: I think it was it's was like hard rock or metal performance or something like that. Okay, which is yeah. funny because yeah, metal is pro- are broken's the closest you could say to them being a oh, pure yeah. guitar, a heavy metal band. That album, that album is, is strong.
0: Fucking he- is super heavy, it, and when you see them play those songs live, it's just just so so hard ho- like. Heavy, heavier than most metal bands I've seen live. I
1: was going to say, I think it kind of defines their, uh, their reputation for a long time, I think, was defined by that. I think to the point that when The Fragile was coming out in the new, in the new metal era, I think people were like, all right, guys, here it comes. You better step aside. <laughs> and then they were like, what's with all this gay piano? And everyone's getting all mad, right? <laughs> like, why is the album so that? long... <laughs>
0: What was that first single? Was it the day the world whole world went away? Yeah, the day something? the world what went away. It? Right?
1: You're like, this was the last song I would think of choosing as a single. Maybe
0: <laughs> like I literally pay. I literally pick an, one of the instrumentals from that.
1: <laughs> honestly, just did. like you could imagine, would have been a way better fucking single. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Any of those? My God, I remember thinking that when I heard that, and I was like, uh, like even as a kid here, like waiting, waiting for with bated breath for a new album. And immediately being like, huh, when I heard that. When I got the actual album, I loved it. <laughs> but I remember being very like, which one do you which one should we have led with to make it a success? And I just don't think that was happening. And I do believe people yeah. kind of had this very front-loaded misperception of them as like a more metal band, because it's like broken, I think is the big moment of consciousness for them. And then you got like maybe the March of the Pigs video and like had like a hole. But it's like the other and side also- of it.
0: The perfect drug, too. Yeah, well, the perfect drug. Yeah, yeah. Well, the perfect drug. Not that, it, not that it's metal, but it's more like you know, propulsive, up tempo, yeah, energetic.
1: That's something that Nine Inch Nails, I think, or everyone kind of learned from Ministry because if you listen to go back to like Land of Rape and Honey, everyone thinks of them as like big guitar. Oh, that's when they got guitar heavy. The first three songs are like that because it's got it's uh, Stigmata, The Missing, and Deity. But the moment you get out of there, especially if you flip to the second side, because I actually had that on tape cassette I had found. Um, but you like The Land of Rape and Honey, or like a You Know What You Are, or a, um, Flashback. Flashback, yes. No guitars in that, but it has right. the same aggression of like <clears> any <throat> heavy song of like hardcore metal. Yeah. <laughs> Aggression, the same abrasiveness that like a dude like that could hear this. But if he saw mm-hmm. the guys looking like Depeche Mode and there's a bunch of keyboards, they'd be like, That shoots gay. But if you're like, Oh check this out, and you push play on it, you're like, Oh, well he's talking about shooting down a guy's neck, I guess that's okay. You know, like yeah, the, I I can get pissed to this. This is cool, you know. so i I can get pissed to it it's cool yeah i guess if i could be mad you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) but that leads us to basically the moment We've, we've we've officially we reached the alternative nation like taking over the old bands are all thrown out um the only other part to this equation that is super equally important would be where the fuck was butt rock Butt rock prior to this was just mainstream sounding music. It was just the shittier version of other good stuff, right? A good album comes out. Well, you know, Bruce Springsteen does Born in the USA. Well, we got John Cafferty doing On the Dark Side, you know, <laughs> listen to it and tell me, you don't, you could trick someone into saying it's Springsteen. <laughs> no joke. A hundred percent. Like even you would probably think this is Springsteen. You're like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so you get all these, like, wannabe guys. They're the kind of people who kind of come up, like, usually like a minute, if, 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 you know, a little bit behind on the on the curve with everything. Um, and the problem is everything they had been doing changed overnight. <clears throat> like, you don't get to, you're not going to copy, like, the, ma- the major, like, you're not going to copy Guns N' Roses. You're not going to copy Motley Crue anymore because that shit's over. Now we got to try to copy Nirvana, which is a trickier thing to do. Because most people who like Nirvana or want to copy them never understood what made them them, and to this day, I don't know what song of theirs they thought they were copying. <laughs> You'd think it smells like Teen Spirit, but it's not. Nothing sounds like that. Only
0: but Bo- only Bush did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. But butt rock is kind of it's like the try it's the the and we've kind of come to find that most genres of rock or anything adjacent to that have their own butt version yes um you've got like so i mean in in the case of just general butt rock like nirvana or, or nirvana is not butt rock but the butt rock version of nirvana would be you know something like live. Candlebox or yeah live bush these bands that are just you know they have a, like a try hard energy they're kind of you know, you can tell they're posturing and they're just, they're like, they're they are just, they're like swagless. Yeah, that's exactly
1: it. Yeah, they, they got no swag. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, that's exactly it. They don't have that je ne sais quoi that defines the original pants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so for, for but for like the butt equivalent of Pearl Jam would be Creed.
1: You yes, know, 100%. like 100%. It's plotting, it doesn't have. You know, and Pearl Jam themselves, people were accusing them of already being a butt rock grunge, you know, right. which like, no, they really, I mean, you know what they were is that they had a lot of butt rock influences within their music. You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of like wearing Stevie Ray Vaughn hats on stage in like 1990. There's a lot of like, uh, which like himself is a fine artist and also not all butt rock artists are bad. Stone Temple Pilots no. are a total butt rock band when they first came seven out. mary Ba-bam. three
0: are a total butt rock band great band
1: <laughs> oh jesus fucking christ
0: anyway continue do not do not protest this is a
1: pro- <laughs> move on you
0: know? i don't want to hear your opinion the official opinion of this podcast is that seven mary three is a good band <laughs> solely based on the one song i've heard Cumbersome, which is not a good song, but I like it. Anyway,
1: proceed. Sometimes that hey dude, like I fucking used to like sponge.
0: <laughs> like, what is that? Plowed. Yeah. When I wake up. Yeah. <laughs> Save
1: all prayer for me. <laughs> Half of these band names, I want to say them like David Letterman introducing them, like holding their CD. Ladies and gentlemen, Sponge. You know, like, that's I, I the way he kind of, been, and it's somehow he's just introducing the band and they go out and play, but he somehow makes it seem like he's being sarcastic. <laughs> like, is he making fun of them? I can't tell, you know? Better not be. Yeah, well, not Seven Mary Three at least. <laughs> no. Yo, 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 you will be showing, like you'd be them. throwing hands if that happens. <laughs>
0: Well, he, I think he said, like, his favorite band was the Foo Fighters. And I would argue the Foo Fighters definitely became butt rock. <laughs> so the Foo
1: Fighters, to me, yeah. They, you know what they turned into? They became Tom Petty. Yeah. In the sense that, like, like every Tom Petty album free had... Free Fallen. Yeah. They, every, they
0: just became Tom Petty Free Fallen. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, in the same way that every one of his albums is, like, not really an essential thing to buy, but has, like, the one single from it. <laughs> and it's the same thing like oh yeah that song okay and then like you just but you, there's no like front to back the first album of theirs I love still the self titled I, I do like that yeah, yeah. I let, I, gotta, I gotta cough this up sorry one second
0: Oh, go for it, oh, it yeah I'm gonna play this fucking disgusting fucking disgraceful I'm really sorry listener for Jeff doing that ah, and fucking not lung cutting her out. Fuck it, yeah. It's a disgrace. What's that? Oh nothing. <laughs> You're
1: gonna be talking like Frank Vincent. <laughs> no, anyway. but it is the butt half of the equation. And <laughs> and within that comes a whole lucky group of people who themselves, you know, maybe they have very genuine interests in these kinds of things, but who knows how deep they go, right? And so that's going to bring us to this crop of bands who clearly, as far as I can see, I can't imagine any of the guys from Gravity Kills being into, like, Coil or Fetus or Throbbing Gristle. I could see <laughs> right. their industrial influences going maybe as far back as Ministry.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, that to me is maybe the most. And I feel like it's primarily Nine Inch Nails.
0: Yeah, maybe KMFDM, who we also forgot to bring up, but
1: KMFDM has been there, has made so many albums. You could literally use them for almost every point in industrial's evolution, including yeah. where it, it like steered itself into a ditch after the two thousands.
0: Yeah, KMFDM even had an industrial butt period. Oh my god, did <laughs> they ever? They're the best. They're the best of the industrial butt bands. I would say. Yeah, but.
1: they're 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 the industrial butt ACDC. <laughs> like every album, you know exactly what you're gonna hear before you hear it. <laughs> like, yeah, once
0: one after after Juke joined Jezebel, the song that changed everything.
1: <laughs> they have one song later though that I thought was a uh, pretty fucking cool um on the one album right after because they got the guy from Ministry, Chris Connolly, the Scottish guy. They got him on to do vocals on a few songs on it, and there's just one
0: MTV VJ, Chris <laughs> yeah. <Connelly. laughs>
1: Kurt Loader and vocals (laughs) anyway the whole point of all of that the whole preamble is it's going to lead us to the butt rock thing that's funniest to me is that what makes butt rock derivative is the significantly smaller pool of influences versus the originals so like grunge is a good maybe the best in case for it because it's probably the last real version of rock music that like seemed really authentically new um Take Soundgarden. Soundgarden, you can name like five different, completely different bands and, and all with different genres that make up the stew of Soundgarden. Like mm-hmm. I mean, there's the obvious things of things like uh like Black Sabbath and you know stuff like yeah. that. There's like classic rock stuff, there's a lot of like really great riffs with that. Um but there's also like odd things. Like like they fucking cover Devo. You know what I mean? Like And it didn't seem like it was a joke. It (laughs) felt like a very sincere thing they wanted to do.
0: Yeah, they're like their cover of Girl You Want. That's all slowed down.
1: Yeah. Like, same thing with Alice in Chains. Uh, All these people, like, they have, like, a variety of interesting influences. And so their albums could take strange detours. There will always be interesting outliers. Whereas the butt version of something is literally... We're going to do one to two things and we're going to like, we're going to do the great values brand version
0: of the thing, that, yeah.
1: of the single, of the singles. Yes. yeah. We're not doing album tracks here, buddy. These are just replicated singles over and over again. Um, yeah. And I'd say every one of them to a T just wants to be fucking head like a hole. Uh, and I would say the best way to play this out, because I don't want to actually have to cover this in general, but the best way to play out the episode to end it would be to play fucking Sins of the Flesh by S- Sister Machine Gun. <laughs> because it is the most, be- maybe the greatest example of trying to <laughs> fucking write Head Like a Hole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't heard it yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that.
1: Yeah, it's fucking terrible. Like, actually, there's four or five separate songs on that first album that all sound exactly like they're trying to write head like a hole.
0: And if anyone listened to the. A much maligned Mortal Kombat bonus <laughs> episode we <laughs> you'll you'll know Sister Machine Gun yes um, they had that very uh, softcore porn sounding <laughs> song on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack that seemed completely out of place yes that Jeff and I both liked as kids for some reason <laughs> but yeah, just a little side note. We we saw the the response to the Mortal Kombat bonus episode. <laughs> we know you didn't like it. But uh, we're doing more. Yeah. We're doing more bonus shit. So we're, we're still plowing ahead, uh, man.
1: Like you're just gonna you're, to
0: gonna you're gonna have to you're gonna have to fucking either listen to it or don't. <laughs> listen, you're
1: following where we lead, all right, pal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but also, please listen to our Mortal Kombat episode. Yeah, it, I actually I actually think it's pretty damn
1: good. I understand if maybe you're like, well, you know, I could listen to you talk about a whole typo negative album. I don't have to hear you talk about a soundtrack they're barely in. <laughs>
0: Sister Machine Guns, Sins of the Flesh. This is uh, this is going to be... Is this our our little intro to yeah, the... Yeah, this will be an industrial...
1: So stay tuned, and I think our next one's going to be... We'll be kind of covering the career of Stabbing Westward. We'll just kind of do an episode on just specifically them. And we'll just kind of cover a each... Band,
0: a-, a band we both liked. S- we we yes, both we liked did.
1: Stabbing Westward. We, we cannot front on that, yeah. Like, I'll cringe at myself now, but... Holy shit there was a point. You know what's funny though? I think in order of the albums release, I'll have more affection for each one the earlier they are.
0: I was listening to Ungod at Work today and I honestly I didn't I didn't hear a lot to like there, but when I was trying to plug in the clip of them in our last episode, I was like, "All right, this chorus still kind of hits." Like <laughs> it's ju- it's still just very generic clearly. Reaching for that Nine Inch Nails head like a hole sound, but yep. it's still like, I feel like it was well enough executed that I was listening to it and being like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of, list I'm looking forward to listening to Wither, Blister, Burn and Peel again. <laughs> no, An you album won't be. I haven't-
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> An album I haven't heard since I was 19 and my girlfriend who was older than me, uh, cheated on me and then broke up with me right after. Oh, no. So, so I, listen, to, yeah. I listened to a lot of Stabbing Western right <laughs> after
1: that. That is maybe the worst thing to listen to post-breakup. Like, it's ideal for that, but oh, I feel like it only makes it worse.
0: It's just wallowing in self-pity. Just f- I was just such a... S- fucking piece
1: of shit oh so don't worry man i was in a i was in some dark places with all those <laughs> albums too shit i was in dark places in fucking high school with those albums <laughs> over people like nothing even happened with yet
0: i was a late bloomer but. so so was i which means i was a shitty person for a long time you know <laughs> yeah uh yeah this is just a little preempting of jeff being me too yeah like, it's like your Kevin Smith statement.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, where he where he's, like, way too much, like, you know, except I'm not being, doing something long lines of, like, because of weed, you know? <laughs> Which I didn't shut no. the fuck up about for, like, five years. <laughs> I'll blame me
0: getting Me tuned on weed. <laughs> it's more believable for me.
1: <laughs>
0: it's like, aren't you straight edge, you know?
1: Like... <laughs> i'll blame mine on i'll just lie and say i was really into pop punk you know It's just like, <laughs> you know it's just a thing we do here i can't get in trouble for that i'm a youth pastor now it comes with the territory yeah you know? sorry buddy but them's the breaks that's, that's why why do you think we got this job <laughs> so we're gonna play out with the first And in my opinion, one of the funniest and most obvious examples of butt like a hole, which is Sins of the Flesh by Sister Machine Gun. Uh, This is, in my opinion, the best example you could possibly get. And when we return next time, whenever we do get around to this again, we will be going over the career first, I think, of Stabbing Westward. It'll probably be one of the best uh, of maybe one of the higher quality industrial butt bands out there.
0: All right. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, review. Find us on the social media at Hot Is Killing Me. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.